Well, we're in a great section of Ephesians 4 that, that says that if we have trusted Christ, if we are in Christ, that means that you're a completely new creation. Uh, the Bible says you, you're a new person, you're a new creation because you've got God in you. All your sins have been wiped away as far as the east is from the west. You're a citizen of heaven, not of earth. You've got uh, the, the, uh, the mind of Christ. You've got all these new things that God did for you. And then after making that point strikingly, there's a series of seven specific things that are new about our life. And, and the, the challenge is throw off the old way that you've been living and put on the new way of living using the imagery of clothes. And so last week we saw two uh, pieces of clothing that we've got to throw off, and that's every form of lying and dishonesty, and also anger that uh, uh, holding on to grudges and giving the devil an opportunity in our lives, just this unhealthy, unholy, uh, unbiblical uh, response to anger. So that, those are two things that were different. And this morning we're going to see three more of these articles of clothing to throw off because we're new people. As Jesus said, we're born again. So would you stand with me as I read our passage from Ephesians 4? I'll begin in verse 28, only three verses, but, but packed with life application for us. So verse 28, where we read, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. Right off the bat, let the thief no longer steal. So, this is what was going on in the church at Ephesus. Apparently, there were some people who were sort of professional thieves. They came to Christ, and Paul is writing them to remind them, hey, you're a new person. You're a new creation. You cannot um, let that be your job anymore. You've got to find a new way of making a living. Let the thief no longer steal. Now, when we think about that, most of us, we don't do much you know, professional stealing, but maybe the passage has application to us in some way because there's a lot of kinds of stealing, embezzlement, shoplifting, padding an expense report, stealing time from your employer by not giving an honest day's work, not paying your bills, cheating on the IRS. You know, all of those are forms of stealing, and because we're in Christ, we're new creatures, you know, th those, those are going to be thrown away. Any kind of stealing, throw it away. But in contrast, what does he say? Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with those in need. So the dignity of work, the importance of work, the value of work that we see at the outset of the Bible in Genesis 2, God created us to work. It's a good thing in itself. Uh, by the way, that's not just uh, work uh, that's jobs, it's paid work. You, you, you may have homework, housework, uh, volunteer work, yard work. There's all kind of work, but God made us to work. Now, uh, the thieves, he, he says, you know, an honest day's labor, honest day's work. And why? Why do we work? Well, this is the 
kicker here for us. He says, here is the, the reason to work, so that you may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? You know, that's not what we grow up with. We grow up with, you know, you, you work hard in school, you go to a good college, get a good job, make plenty of money, provide for your family, maybe accumulate some stuff. Uh, you know, that's kind of the American mindset. The Bible takes you higher than that. Not wrong to provide for your family, not wrong to have a house and some things to enjoy. That's, that's fine. That's great. But if you're a believer, your highest things is in God, when God blesses you, He blesses you, not just for you, but for you to be a blessing to other people. And so we give. We give. We are on the alert if God brings somebody in need into our world, into our life. Could be in your extended family, could be a stranger. Uh, But ultimately, we're about something higher than accumulating stuff. God blesses us, gives us the ability, the capacity to work so that we may have something to share in those in need. Now, that is personal and individual at times, and at times it's, it's corporate and together because we are a body, and, and we together help people in need. You're giving here makes that possible. For example, we've got a ministry called Benevolence, and, and we put a fair bit of money aside every year for when folks at Wood's Edge are in financial need, they're without work for a period, we, we can help them out. And we, you know, that's a, a dicey area, and you've got to be careful and ask the right questions and things. But we want to help people so that, that we have that ministry. We have a number of other ministries that um, we can show you some visuals to. We have a Threads of Love ministry that's the first portable. There are seven portables back there. If you haven't been there, eight portables. And the first one is what, what's called Threads of Love. We've got a whole, whole lot of donated clothing. That Much of it's very nice and a lot of food. In fact, Houston Food Bank has a, a center there. And, and we have 800 people, needy families, a month that come and get clothing and food in various ways. And, and we used to give those, those away, but we feel like there's more dignity to sell them at a very inexpensive price. We don't want to make the money. It just goes back in. But... Uh, it, there's a dignity to it, but it's a way to help people. And, and your support here helps make that possible. Um, we, we also want to help uh, orphans, and is that my next one because we've got pictures of these? Yes, we, we do. Foster kids and orphans, and, and several ways we do this, a number of ways actually. It's one of our emphases. We talk about outside the walls ministries. There's a marvelous ministry uh, that started here called Love Fosters Hope, or the local expression started here. But a lot of churches are involved. And this is what we do. Love Fosters Hope takes uh, foster children, the orphans of our society, uh, to a, a week's camp. Now, so these kids, a lot of them had some very tough circumstances and situations. Well, we had one last week. Some of you were part of it. I met a number of young folks from the edge. Our uh, Charlie Hall and Ron Hall, I see over there, they, they've done this for about 13 years, I think, since we've had it. If folks take a week's vacation. They go and they love these little kids and give themselves to them, and God uses it to breathe life into these precious children. There's about six of those camps that some are just getting started. You're part of that. Um, in China, uh, Melody and Chen Chandler have an orphan ministry in Guiyang, China, with 50-5-0 special needs children who are, in China's culture, sort of ostracized and unwanted Melody and Chen, with your support partly, uh, love them for Christ's sake. Uh, that's 
helping those in need. Uh, every Christmas, we'll bring presents and gifts and, and have about 800 presents for foster children in, throughout Montgomery County as well as needy kids here. All of those are, 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 are things on the heart of God. Refugee and immigrant ministry. You, you know that Houston is the main city in the United States to receive immigrants, and they're pouring in here, and so many of them come with hardly anything, with great needs. Some of them are, are professionals in their former country but can't work and do that here, and we've got a chance to love them, and so many of them are more open to the gospel than ever and, and more open than most Americans and, and certainly compatriots back there, and we can love them, and we've got various ministries that we're a part of that help do that. Or I think about the prison and jail ministries. It's amazing that thousands and thousands of, of of prisoners get released each week, get taken to downtown Houston, get released. Here's Josh Walker, one of our, our guys here, and, and he and others welcome them, love them, give them some basic things to kind of get started, and that's just one of a number of jail prison ministries. Um, you know, besides all of those kind of organized ministries, our own small groups, the people that we do life with. Uh, here's a small group in our church, and and that's a big small group. And, and when needs come up in your small group, you can reach out and, and help and, and love them in practical, concrete ways. So this is what the Bible says about our work. And so uh, now our horizon is lifted to a higher level when it comes to work. It's not just to provide for your family, not just to accumulate more stuff, but to help those in need uh, around us because we want to be a blessing when God blesses us. So how are you doing when it comes to the motive, the biblical motive behind work about alert to help people? And that's part of your heart. So that's the first one. Secondly, involves words. And we see that in verse 29 when we read these strong uh, challenge, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, when it says, the Bible says to you and me, let no corrupting talk. It could be translated unwholesome talk, like some translations translate it. The root idea of the word is rotten. You know, rotten fish, rotten fruit, you know, rotten. You know, not very good. Uh, let, don't let rotten words come out. What are rotten words? Well, you know, we could guess at what that is. Rotten words would be lying, dishonest words in light of last week's uh, passage. It would be words that are demeaning, that are discouraging, that are uh, gossiping, that are um, uh, untrue, that are unkind, that tear down, that wound. Uh, all of those would be rotten words. And, and it's interesting to me that God tells us, uh, let no corrupting, rotten word come out of your mouth. Not, um, hey, have 75% of your words be good words. Not even, hey, how about 99% of your words be good words, but 100%, let no corrupting word. Now, if you're in Christ, if you're a believer, um, you've got the, uh, you can obey that by the power of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You cannot say, well, that's just the way I am, you know, I just, that's just a wimpy excuse. Uh, by the power of the risen Christ, the power of the Spirit, we can obey that and let no rotten word come out of your mouth. Now, a lot of you guys work in the airline industry or at the airport, 
And, and you guys know that about 10 or 15 years ago when airport security got, uh, you know, more serious about things, and remember you started going through security and they posted these signs, hey, don't be joking around about bombs and things like that. And, and what did we do? We shut up. We, we went through there and we, no joking about bombs and things. And, and, and we can do that. But God says, um, with all of your words, not just at airport security, but at all times, with all people, at all places, put a lid on it. And, and don't be a blabbing, corrupting, rotten words that tear down, destroy, that are spoken in anger, that cut, wound, and hurt. But rather... Only those words that give grace to those who hear, that build up, that uh, breathe life. You know, words uh, that people need to hear. You know, uh, every single one of us need to hear life-giving words. We do. I, I get a lot of them because I'm a pastor, but you know, I need them. I need them. And so does every single person in this room. Someone put it this way, said, all of us need these words of encouragement, and we live by them, and, and, and without them, we die inside. We die slowly, angrily. Uh, we all need life-giving words. God commands you and I as his followers to be ambassadors of these kind of life-giving words. And they don't cost us a penny. They're free. You, you can breathe life into somebody. You breathe life into your spouse, your kids, your friends, folks at work, a stranger at Walmart. You can breathe life into people. God says, if you are in Christ, this is, this is how, how we're to live. Throw off the old rotten words that are dishonest, angry, hurtful, ridiculing, and lying, and, and, and breathe words of life. For, for children, just think about, you know, I love you. I believe in you. I'm so proud of you. Or here's one. I am so sorry for hurting you. Before the first service, a man in our church, mid-50s, said, you know, yesterday on the basketball court, before he heard my message, he had to stop and pause and apologize to his son, look him in the eyes, and it was life-giving to him. So this is what God tells us this morning. Jesus so emphasizes this in Matthew 12, 36, when he says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Or, I think the single most powerful verse on words and talking in all the Bible, Proverbs 18, 21, uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. My words can so hurt, wound, that it shrivels and withers a soul. And my words can so uh, encourage and build up that it changes a life. And the Bible tells you and me, let no corrupting, rotten, no down lowly word come out of our mouths. You know, uh, one study in the home showed that for every one word of encouragement, there were 10 negative critical words. Now, that's probably not your home or my home, and none of us would ever intend to do that, but, but perhaps uh, we can be more negative than we think, and, and we got to look to build up. And even when we challenge, we do so in love. All righty. Uh, church, what, what's God saying to you about this? 
You know, or do you think of a relationship or do you think of a situation that, that God is sort of stirring up in your heart? Hey, that's got to change. We, we want to obey the Lord. We want to respond. We're not here to hear the Word of God. We're here to obey God because we want to love Him. Okay, we've seen two practical, relevant things here. First of all, uh, our, our motive for work, our honesty in work, and, and we want to help those in need. Secondly, no corrupting words. Now, we're in the airport security line all the time. God can give us grace. Thirdly, this strong admonition in verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Wow. Okay, there's God, the creator of the galaxies, Father, Son, and Spirit, the eternal, infinite, incomparable, holy, immense, sovereign God. And you can grieve His heart? Whoa. You can grieve God? This is not a force we're talking about here, is it? A cloud. Um, the, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a he, a person. Now, we get a little confused. We get the Father, because we got Father, that's a person. We, we get Jesus because, you know, he became a man. But the Spirit this is not a cloud. This is a person who's God. You don't have to have a human-like body to be a person. The Father doesn't have a body. Jesus did not have a body before He became incarnate. He is a person. He's a He. This is a love word. Grieve. You can grieve the Spirit because He's so crazy in love with you. You can grieve Him. Now, uh, if somebody doesn't care about you, you can't really grieve them. They don't care. But it, 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 Gail, I can grieve Gail. She can grieve me because we're so close. And, and, and the Spirit of God, you can grieve and probably have. I have. How do we do that? Well, in the context here, he's giving you some things to do and not do. Don't lie. Don't be a liar. Um, don't, don't just spew anger on people and bitterness and resentment. Um, be honest with your work and, and help people in need. Um, words, give life-giving words. Next week we're going to, or the next time we get in this passage about forgive, be kind-hearted and forgiving. All those ways, if we don't obey the Lord, we're grieving the Spirit because He loves us and He's, he, 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 He's so good to us. But think more broadly what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, we don't see a whole lot about the Spirit. Sometimes, sometimes we do, but we have all these promises that one day God's going to pour out His Spirit. And then at the end of Jesus' life, Jesus said, I'm about to leave. I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to send my Spirit, another comforter, to be with you. And, and 10 days after He left the ascension, He poured out His Spirit on the early church so that each one of the believers became the temple of the Holy Spirit. No longer that building in the top of Mount Zion uh, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Spirit. The Spirit is in us, every single one. He is in us, and we can grieve Him if we don't walk with Him and surrender to Him and obey Him and follow Him. Now, how can we, what are some of the specific ways? Well, some folks just kind of ignore the Spirit. Uh, one of the reasons 
I don't know if it's a reason, it's just it's sort of a natural thing, but uh, include Trinitarian prayer in your language. Um, for, for example, for me, you know, it's common for me in the mornings, Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Spirit, I love you. Because there's one God, but He exists in three persons, and each one is equally God and fully God. And ought to be part of our worship and part of our prayer. So make sure there's some Trinitarian uh, referencing in your prayer. Um, it means we depend upon the Spirit. Now, now think with me about this one. This is the challenge for Christians. You know, okay, we, we heard this uh, very difficult challenge about our words. Now, if, if you hear this this morning, and, and this is your response, okay, I, I know that's what God says, and, and by God's grace, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop my uh, angry words. You don't have a chance if that's your attitude. You won't last 30 minutes. But, but if this is your attitude, Lord, I cannot change myself, but you can. Would you take over? It's the difference between my efforts and my dependence upon God. Between dependence upon me and dependence upon the Spirit. Um, there's humility in that last one. And there's dependence. And there's power. So the whole Christian life is not me working harder and trying harder. It's me more dependent. The next passage, the next, not the next passage, the next chapter is going to say this. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, almost like you're, you can be filled with wine because it uses that imagery and it kind of controls you. Be filled and controlled by the Spirit of God. In other words, you surrender yourself, get empty of you, and get full of God. We, we, as a church, we don't want so much a church full of people, but a people full of God. A people who are so in love with Jesus that we're surrendered. We trust Him. We we obey him. We, we want him to, to, to guide us and empower us and lead us. A.W. Tozier, years ago, decades ago, a pastor put it this way. He said, in most Christian churches, the Spirit is entirely overlooked. Whether he is present or absent makes no real difference to anyone. So completely do we ignore him that it is only by courtesy that we can be called Trinitarian. The idea of the Spirit held by the average church member is so vague as to be nearly non-existent. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. The Bible says there will be people who hold to a form of religion but deny its power. Those are people who are living in their own power rather than the power of the Spirit. The Bible talks about the the, the, the power of the Spirit to guide us and, and strengthen us and lead us. The Bible talks about the, the gifts of the Spirit, that these God-given gifts to serve people. Don't want to neglect those. That would grieve the Spirit. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Kind of, if we're not seeing more and more of those, that would grieve the Spirit. And so all those happen as we uh, surrender, as we depend, as we... Um, uh, follow the Spirit's leading and guiding. You know, the Spirit all through the Bible is guiding His people and leading His people and speaking to His people. So what does that look like for you and me? We'd grieve the Spirit if we, if we never uh, quieted our heart and asked Him to lead us and to guide us and to speak to us. And Lord, what should I do? 
Some of you, you didn't come from that background, but, but you believe in it anyway because all of us ask God, Lord God, is there any sin I need to confess? You're asking the Spirit to guide you, to speak to you. Lord, is there any sin I need to confess in my life? And, and, and you're quiet and see if God puts something on your heart. And that's how we ought to live our life. Spirit, would you please uh, guide me about this? Lord, what do you want? And you're quiet and see if he puts something on your heart. Now, at the first service, um, uh, we did that together at the end, and we're going to do it again this service. And, and I asked, Lord, is there anything that you want to put in our hearts? About, I kind of went through these areas of words and stealing and things like that. And, and immediately, the word gentle words came to my mind. And I knew exactly what God was saying because I can be kind of stern and harsh and demanding at times. Uh, some of you hadn't seen that part of me, but ask Gail, she's seen that part of me. And uh, gentle words, yeah. That's what I want to see from you. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord to speak to you about anything he wants to obey. Okay. Grieving the Spirit. We can grieve the Spirit, and he loves you. You don't want to grieve the Spirit because he's crazy about you. And there's all kinds of ways that we can grieve the Spirit. We depend upon his power. We surrender to him fully. We follow his leadings. His, his directions. Uh, we don't neglect his gifts. We are quiet and listen to him. Ask him to speak to us. So it, it's amazing, amazing that the almighty God, God the Spirit who created the universe, uh, you can grieve him. But he loves you so much, uh, you can. All righty. We've seen the three areas of challenge this morning. So we're going to take a few moments right now. Is there anything God is saying to you today? Maybe you've already felt a stirring. Maybe you haven't yet, and we're going to have some silent prayer here. And if, if nothing comes to your heart, then great, okay. But, but we're going to just pay attention, and we're going to trust God that if there's something that He wants to speak to us about, about stealing or dishonesty at work, about our motives and helping others, about words we say, our situations with words, family, homework, anything about the kind of words we speak or about grieving the Spirit, we're going to ask the Spirit, Lord, is there anything that, that, that I need to hear from you? And we're going to be quiet and just see. Okay? Okay. Just close your eyes. Can't think if you're looking at me. Close your eyes. Okay. Lord God, is there any area of our lives, of my life, our lives, that, that we need to hear something from you right now. Put it in our hearts. Well, Lord, we trust you. Some of us probably had some words, images, feelings, thoughts, pictures uh, put on our hearts. Some of us didn't, and that's okay. But, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to listen to your voice as we live our life because we don't want to grieve your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.